Right, and any of the children who would like to go downstairs and parents say it's okay, we have children's church today, so. Man. The 29th of December, what is it, supposed to be like 50 degrees out today? What? Oh my goodness, I was just told maybe even up in the 60s. Just insane, insane. Welcome to Wisconsin. But it is the 29th, and we, in a few days, are going to celebrate a new year. And like so many people, um, I know we all have them, and, and we, we may not put them on a list or we may not sit there, but we make some plans of what we want to accomplish this next year, some resolutions of what we're going to do over this next year. And uh, I want to kind of get us on the right path. I want to make sure that we step out on that right path. Because if we don't get our minds orientated in the right way, this can be very dangerous. Now, let's take a look at this. Let me move this aside so I can see, but go to the next slide. All right, so if you look at it, it says New Year's resolutions, the top 10. This is off the web. It's just one of them. But number one, exercise more. Number two, lose weight. Get organized. How many people have that in their concept of like, I'd love to get my house organized. I'd love, like, I'd just like to get my desk organized. If I could just get my little microcosm taken care of, I'd probably be a happy man. Learn a new skill or a hobby. Live life to the fullest. Anyone else know what that means? Like, honestly, <laughs> what does it mean to live life to the fullest in a broad sense like that? Save more money, spend less. That's usually how you do it, right? <laughs> you save money by not spending so much. Quit smoking. Even after all these years of um, putting out how bad it is for us, now with the new vapes that's taken up a huge uprising again, so that's becoming the new one, is to quit smoking. Spend more time with family and friends. That's an important one, right? Travel more, read more. Now, I'll go ahead and flip to the next one. All right, so this one, these are the top five across the nation. By So, like, exercise to get into shape, that's the number one resolution in 18 states. They took a survey, and out of the survey, those 18 states, that was number one. Number two was diet to lose weight, and, or that was number one in 17 states. Uh, so those number one and two on the last one. Save money in nine states. Eat healthier in general, five states. Learn a new skill is in one state. Anyone want to guess what that state was? Nope, it wasn't Wisconsin. We're, we're number 18. We're, we're in the exercise to get into shape, all that cheese and beer throughout the year. Nope, Montana. Yeah, Montana. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what the background is, but I thought that was kind of interesting that Montana, the smallest population, they all want to learn a new skill. That's, they want, I don't know if that's because they want to leave the state or whatnot. I don't know. I like Montana. I think it's a pretty state, but who knows? So anyways, this is what's on so many people's minds right now. What am I going to do in this next year to make myself better, to make myself look better, to feel better about myself, to put myself in a better situation, to uh, make myself feel better about what I'm doing in life or, or what I am in life? But you hear the key word in there, right? Self. How am I going to make myself See, and that's where the danger comes into it. See, none of these are bad None of these are bad resolutions, but the thing is, is when we make New Year's resolutions, we become very self-orientated. 
And we shut the outside out. And when we shut the outside out, we shut the Holy Spirit out. We shut out God from that because we become driven that this becomes the priority and who knows if it truly is. See, when I was a very young Christian, because I haven't always been a Christian, most of you know that in my backstory, but when I was a very young Christian, I was sitting down with a group of men and I was talking about how I was making some New Year's resolutions. I got kind of chastised for it. They're like, well, Christians really shouldn't do that. Christians shouldn't worry about what you want. You should be focused on what God wants for you. And that kind of respun my whole perspective on coming into a new year and, and, and having an understanding is, is, do we ever as humans really focus on what God wants for us, what God is trying to do for us or what God is trying to shape us into or what God is driving us towards? Is that how we drive our resolutions for the new year? Is that what we look towards? And I would argue probably not all too often. See, the number one thing about eating healthier, getting in better shape, exercising to get in better shape is very self-oriented, but it's also very kind of prideful and uh, superficial. Now, not saying don't be in shape. Don't get me wrong. You need to be in shape. You need to be healthy so that you can do what God calls you to do when he calls you to do so. But if the drive is so that you look good or that you feel better about yourself instead of because God is preparing you and you need to be ready to go someplace or go do something or show up in a big way through God, then your priorities are a little warped. So if you turn to Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23, it reads, please stand with me as we read. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him but the things that come out of a person are what defile them. And when he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, theft, murders, adulterous, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, We see this list and it scares us to know that that's what dwells within us if we aren't safeguarded by you and your Holy Spirit, by following your son, Jesus Christ, to know that this is the product that will bubble out of us. And so God, we ask that you safeguard us from it, that through your son, Jesus Christ, and the the gifting of the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves pushing this out and being filled with your righteousness, with your love, with your goodness, with your grace and mercy with your truth your wisdom your knowledge that may all be pushed all this ugly stuff may be pushed out and all the good dwell within us but we also know lord that it comes from you and not us and so as we move forward starting now and throughout this year let us strive to understand that deeper to understand what it means to be filled with your holy spirit to be made in your image that we can move towards being whole as you see us. 
Lord, this is our prayer in your holy name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. See, here, Jesus is saying that, listen, inside, what bubbles up and out of you is what drives you. And he gives this long litany list of very ugly things. Evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, or adulteresses, oh my gosh. Greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. See, that's where resolutions become dangerous. See, if resolutions are nothing more than self-serving, they'll drive to those, to that long list of ugliness that comes from humanity. Those things that people are like, why is there so much evil in the world? Well, it's because we're really good at pursuing evil things or broken things or, or things that do harm to others or things that do better to us by taking away from others. See, when we have resolutions that are driven by self, we end up in a place where it is an issue. Think of it this way, I want to get healthier, I want to look better, and so now I spend two hours a day in the gym. And I push my family away, I push my responsibilities for the church away, and I stop worrying about those things, because why? Because my resolution for myself is to make myself look better, to get in better shape. It's a dangerous place to be, is it not? I want to eat healthier so I look better, and so... I chastise what everybody else eats and I become the food police everywhere I go and I make comments about it, right? See, that's what happens when it's about me, when it's about what I want. But see, if I understand that God may be calling me to a mission that needs me to be in good health or in good shape or more physically strong than I am today, then I put that in a priority as God has put everything in order. And so I don't set it aside I don't make it a priority and set everything else aside, like my family and my work and everything. What I do is I understand that God has given me this task and I need to balance it all out. See, when our resolutions are driven by what God wants for us and what God is driving us towards and we have that in our mind, the rest of everything kind of falls together. We've talked about that in the past, that when we put our priorities and we make God our priority first, he helps stack the rest of the priorities in a good and healthy manner. It's the same thing with our resolutions. It's not bad to want to be healthier if you know that there's something that you need to be healthier for. Maybe it's just for the fact that you need to live longer and you're in bad health and you need to work on it. To have a longer life, to to carry the word further and faster, or to pick up and, and be an aid or a servant to someone who needs it or to share God's love at a certain moment, right? Those are all good, godly reasons for wanting to be in better health. But if God isn't setting that purpose, if God isn't setting that as a goal in your life, then I caution you to be very, I warn you to be very cautious about pursuing those resolutions because we set aside and we start chasing humanity's wisdom in it and we get drawn into the world instead of being firmly fixed in the spiritual realm that God calls us to be in, that Jesus beckons us into, that he constantly reminds us to be walking within. And so where does this take us? If you turn to Proverbs, back in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 1, you have Solomon, the king of Israel, the son of David, one of the wisest men ever. And he writes, he says, in the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and disciple, or discipline, oh my, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness 
to the inexperienced knowledge and discernment to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning and let a discerning person obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And then he moves on to a long litany list of things not to do, starting in verse 8 through 19, to avoid the path of the violent, to not be sucked into the world and, and pursue you know, the worldly, lustly things that we can go after, whether it's money or um, you know, relationships in, in bad ways and, and all those different things that get spoken into. But I want you to think of it this way. What Solomon is instructing his children is, is when you place your path in God's path, when you sit there and you surrender your will, your want, and you put it into God's will, that is when you start gaining knowledge. That is when you start growing in discipline. That is what we need to think about more as we move into the, the New Year resolution concept, is, is what does God want for us? Where does our knowledge, where does our wisdom derive from? It comes from God. If it comes from anywhere else, it may not be wisdom or knowledge. It could be faulty. And so only from God do we have the pure truth, the pure wisdom, the pure knowledge that we can move into the world with understanding. See, it's his wisdom and knowledge that teach us shrewdness, to make good decisions, to be discerning is the word that we use when we talk about being gifted. Let a wise person listen and increase learning. See, how many more times is it better to sit back and listen to what's being talked about than to talk about what's being talked about? See, we learn things when we sit back and we listen. And when we listen to God, we start to learn something. We learn what he wants for us in our lives. And what better thing is there than what God wants for us in our lives? See, each and every day we get this opportunity to to walk in God's will or to walk away from God's will. Those are the two choices. You either walk in his will or you walk away from his will. It's a simple 50-50 decision. There is no, well, I'm going to kind of do God's thing and kind of not do God's thing today. No, you either do what God tells you to do or you do what God, you do the opposite of what God tells you to do or you walk away from him. When we do those things, when we choose to pursue those things, that's when we end up in dangerous places. And what Solomon is teaching here is that we need to focus on the wisdom of God, the knowledge that God gives. We need to open our ears and listen fully and completely to hear where God's beckoning us. See, a couple weeks ago at the, um, for our annual meeting, we had that conversation about how in this next year, we really want to give a chance to sit down and study God's word, to really dive into it, to really understand what we believe, what we know to be true, and how that strengthens us and grows us. See, that should be a resolution to pursue God deeper. You notice how that wasn't on any of the top 10? And I guarantee you, they were asking Christians these questions, or at least people who declare themselves Christian. I'm pretty sure the first question is, are you an atheist or are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Okay, then if you're that, then let us ask this. No, it was, what's your resolution? And this is what came out of it. If I was to go around and take a poll before this sermon, what would have been your answer? What have some of you all may, already might have written down? Do you pursue God? Is that your number one resolution this year, to grow closer in relationship to the living Lord, Jesus Christ? Do you strive as a resolution to know his word deeper and better and stronger? Do you strive to walk in his will more often and with more assurance? See, church, that's what our resolutions should be. 
Because when we put our resolutions there, it's not us driving the boat anymore, but it's God. It's God at that steering wheel, as so many of us like to sit there and say, here, take the steering wheel, guide me through. But if we don't give it to him, if we don't surrender it to him, if we don't take the time to listen, to seek it out, I want you to hear this in verse 20 of Proverbs 1. It says, wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. So in other words, wisdom isn't hidden from us. God has made it known. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. So where all this hustle and bustle is going on, where all there's noise and static is there, she cries out about it. So wisdom reigns out above all of that. How long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? See, how long will we deny to hear the wisdom? How long will we sit there and say, well, I've got God's word in front of me, but I don't really ever study it. I don't ever really delve in into it to understand the depth of what's there. Or I only give it a, a small piece of my life. I like it like when it gives me the little happy-go-lucky verses about how God loves me. But I don't want to deal with how God says I should live or I don't want to pursue an understanding of what strength comes from walking in God's will. See, what he's saying in verses 20 through 22 there is, is how long are you going to continue to hear the wisdom of God and be willing to sit in ignorance. And so we have to ask ourselves, where are we on that process? Where is our resolution to be more Christ-like, to understand and be in relationship deeper and deeper with God? And do we pursue it fully and completely? And it's tough. Trust me, I get it. There's tons of statics that come in. There's tons of things that come into our lives that bide for our time. But the thing is, is when our priority, our resolution is to be more God-like, that becomes our priority. And when those other things come in and they butt against it, we sit there and say, it's not that important. Yes, it would be fun to go do that or participate in that thing. Or it would be neat to have that opportunity, but that would affect my ability to be more in God's word. It would affect my ability to pursue God's will deeper and deeper. So where are our resolutions? He continues on, If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my word. So in other words, all you have to do is say, here it is, I want it. And he'll begin to feed you. He'll begin to pour out his Holy Spirit on you that you may understand and, and have knowledge and strength in his word and his will for your life. You can continue to read on. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity and I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you, then they will call me but I won't answer. It's a hard message to hear, and it's Old Testament message. I get this. He's talking to Israel who constantly turns their back and walks away. And we don't have the same concepts of law that they had. But we have the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We have the ability to see what our past has and no longer have to answer for it, but see, be seen new and made whole in Christ's blood. To be renewed and shaped 
anew. See, isn't that the whole thing coming into the new year is that we want to forget who we were and make ourselves a better person? Isn't that the whole hubbub that goes on in the world around us is that we want to set off all that bad stuff that might be known about us or that we might have done that, that caused distress or hurtfulness inside our lives or other people's lives and we want to just be able to sever and say, hey, it's a new year, I'm going to become a new person. But what's the definition of insanity? Right, right, a couple different ways of coming out, but basically the same thing, to continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. So my question is, is if you don't introduce and pursue something new in your life that is good and whole and complete, how are you ever going to expect to stop being who you were? If you don't surrender your will and accept God's will in your life and make that a priority in your life, how will you ever change from who your will has made you? You can't. You can't do something the same way with the same stuff and expect different circumstances that show change and show forward motion. You have to put something new into that package. You have to understand and do it. And, and what we're seeing here is we willfully all too often choose not to pursue God. We, we hear the wisdom above the commotion, but we choose to be in the commotion instead. We don't raise ourselves up and, and hear it. If you notice when Jesus speaks, he usually moves to a place of elevation, either to the mountaintop or to the top of the hill, to stand on the boat above everybody, right? It's because when you stand above, you can speak across and it doesn't get broken up as easy. Same reason why we speak from platforms here when you go to a, a theater and you see people stand. It's because it travels across everything. See, wisdom sits up there, but we have to be able to get up there to hear it. We have to be able to get above all the hustle and bustle that's around us, the, the static the world has created and set it aside and hear. And that way we don't have to worry about the fact that God says, like, listen, I've called out, I've even reached out for you to pull you up, but you've refused to answer that. You've refused to take my hand. You've refused to hear my wisdom and act on it. And so I'm going to let you deal with what you have to deal with. I don't know about you, but for me, I'd much rather sit in a place where I know that I'm with God and God is with me and that when I hit a, hit a turbulent time or a storm in my life, I know that God is with me in that. To not to have to sit there and wonder whether he is or not because I may or may not have listened to him. See, so when we put all this stuff together, we start understanding that we have to pursue God in a deep way, not just a superficial way on Sunday mornings, not just a superficial way in our lives where, you know, we open up that little flip calendar that's got that little three-word verse, three verse in it that kind of makes us there, you know, I, I read scripture today. But to truly seek out who God is so that we can start understanding what his will in your life is. In Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. See, what we have here is an instruction to focus on the good stuff that God has for us. To put him as our priority and to move towards that. To think about those things. To dwell on those types of things. 
See, for all too often, it's easy to get sucked into the myrrh of all the ugliness we read in Mark 7, right? It's easy to get dwelling on the evil that is done or the pride that has happened around us or even maybe our own pride. It's really easy to focus on those things. But we have to make ourselves focus on the good stuff that goes on around us. Um, inside the military, we have a phrase that's called hunting for, the good, hunting for the good things or looking for the sunshine in the situation. The, the concept behind it is, is there's a lot of really tough things that happen in your day in and day out life. It's just the facts of life. There are always going to be struggles, whether it's a physical issue in the sense of like you have to overcome a, a physical obstacle in your life, whether it's an emotional thing that you're going through, maybe it's a, a relational aspect that you're having to struggle through. There are difficult things. But if you only dwell on those and you don't stop and, and take a look to see the positive things that are going on and the good things that can come from it, it's really easy to become negative. What the author here is writing about is he's trying to get us to understand that what you dwell and occupy your mind with is what you fill your body with, right? Mark, Jesus teaches that it's not what we put into our body. It's not the food we eat that defiles us. It's what comes out of our heart that defiles us because it, that affects character. That affects people's understanding of who we are. And when we do that, we end up in a dangerous place. We are full of all those nasty things that he talks about. And people can see us for that. Because why? Because if our heart's not pure, if our heart hasn't been cleansed by the Holy Spirit, we carry sin and brokenness inside of us. And that just bubbles out of us. But here, we're told that if we dwell on the good things, if we dwell on those things that are commendable, the things that are, what is all the whole list here? Praiseworthy, excellent, I'm trying to just go back through the whole list here. Honorable, true. I said pure already. Lovely. That means we're dwelling in the good. We're dwelling in God. And as we dwell in God, we start to be mindful of God. When we're mindful of God, we start understanding God and we start hearing God more often. See, if we don't do that, if we don't put ourselves in in the concept of thinking and looking to God constantly and fully and completely, then we're going to fall back into those other categories that we talked about. We're going to lose the sense of the wisdom that he shares and talks to us about. And so as we move into this year, as we come into this new year and we start looking at what the future holds for us, I hope you make the resolution to start seeking what does God have for you in this coming year? To truly understand who God is at a, at a depth you've never had before in your life. To attend Bible studies or maybe small groups or, or to call me up or send me an email every once in a while about a question you might have. To truly pursue a deeper understanding of what it means to be in relationship with a living God who is willing to die on a cross for you. A God who has created all things, seen and unseen. A God who is eternal. And to dwell in his presence See, my hope for you is that your resolution isn't about yourself so much as it is about what God has for you because that is a path of strength to step out onto. Because if you're moving where God wants you to move, imagine the lack of obstacle you'll have in that process versus moving in a direction that God may not want you to move. And I will tell you this right now, if you move in a path that God wants you to move, you may find struggle because Satan is not going to be happy about that. Satan is going to take a moment to sit there and try to throw a wrench into that plan. But the beauty of it is, is because you've heard his wisdom, he has poured his spirit out on you. And he is with you. And you will have his peace as you walk through each and every one of those struggles. See, this is the resolution I hope you make. This is the place I hope you dwell 
as you move into the new year, I hope your hope is based in God and Jesus Christ and, and the knowledge that you have a God who loves you so deeply that he died on a cross for you. And he was willing to set aside everything that he could have had in heaven to come and live with us, to, to walk amongst us, to be with us, and to die on a cross. A God who loves us enough to understand that we ourselves are not capable of making this happen and is still, out of grace and mercy, willing to gift us with his Holy Spirit so that we can have his peace. And so as we move forward in this coming year, as we come into the 31st here on Tuesday and into the 1st, I want you to be joyful for the new year is coming and God has great things for you. But the question is, is are you going to pursue him or not? Are you going to strive to hear his wisdom above the commotion of the world around us or are you going to simply allow the commotion to suck you in and move you away from his wisdom? Are you going to let your heart be filled with all those ugly things and Mark chapter 7 that we talked about, or are you going to pursue to have a heart filled by God with all these good, lovely, true, honorable, commendable things? Are you going to pursue a life that God has planned for you, or are you going to pursue the life that the world has planned for you? Each and every day you get to make that decision to either walk in the will of God or to walk away from the will of God. So now the question is, is which one will you choose? Amen. So, it is the last Sunday of the month. Give me a second here. <laughs> All right. So today is Communion Sunday, so the last Sunday of every month. I got to reset my brain. I told you, man, I'm not... <laughs> I am one track today, and that's about where I can be right now, so give me a second. So we just talked about New Year's resolutions, about putting God as our New Year's resolution to pursue him, to understand him. As you come forward to this table, this is a time to set your heart right for that, to ask for forgiveness of everything that might keep you from being able to pursue God's will in your life, that this last year may have built up upon you that you're carrying some kind of guilt or shame. This is the time to come to the table and remember that the bread and the juice that are up here symbolize the blood and the body that were broken and shed for you, that you may be made whole and saved. See, that's the table we come to today. It's a table of forgiveness. It's a table of God's faithfulness to his people, to his creation. And so as you come to this table, cleanse your heart, ask for forgiveness, confess your brokenness that you may start this new year on a brand new slate, renewed by the Holy Spirit, the gift of Jesus Christ, given to all who believe that he is the Son of God. Mike, if you could come forward, Doug,